Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another big edition of The First Serve. It is your home of tennis uh, right across the uh, SEN network. Uh, Brett Phillips uh, with you tonight. Happy to take uh, your calls, one 736 736 or you can uh, buzz us on the uh, Tennis Direct text, 0433981116, Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au right now, and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. 1-300-736-736. If you'd like to talk some tennis night, we've got the Sunblessed Sunscreen to give away. It's a beauty, sunblessedsunscreens.com.au, the first serve Tennis sunscreen. If you use that discount code SCN, you'll get a nice little uh, discount. Also, got the Athletic and Sneakers uh, tonight. First serve 15. 15% off your choice of sneakers. So the value of $129. Also, we've got copies of Daphne Ackers, the woman behind the trophy. You can get involved. one 736 736 Been another huge week in the world of tennis. I tell you what, Joe Biden mightn't be all that enamoured with uh, Vladimir Putin over in Russia at the moment. But we are very enamoured with Russian tennis. We are loving the Russians, and that is where we start our look back at the week that has been. What a way to take it. Aslan Karatsev conquers Dubai in brilliant fashion. This remarkable Russian who has emerged this year in breathtaking fashion knocks the stuffing out of the South African tonight. Too good, way too good. And what a follow-up to his run in Australia. Now to take his first ATP Tour title. He's done it in straight sets. He's done it in fantastic style. Unfortunate. This final has come to an end. Margarita Gasparin having to retire. has to retire. Mez Kasatkina wins. Yes, so Gasparin is having to retire because of the back injury. So Derek Kasatkina has won the St. Petersburg Ladies Trophy. And what a great week it has been for. Obviously not the way that she would have wanted to win this final, but you can see the hug between player and coach and the matches that she was able to pull out this week coming from behind. A great disappointment, obviously, for Gasparin. And this, this final promised so much, but these things uh, do happen. In. What a week. What a final here in Acapulco. Drama from start to finish. But it is Alexander Zverev who is the champion here a couple of years after he won the doubles title with his brother in Acapulco. He has now added his name to the role of honour on the singles list as well. It was gripping, it was enthralling and it was a match that will be remembered for a long time. I am yeah, it was great to get a win. Obviously, to start the trip off, it's always good to get a few wins under your belt and gives you a bit of confidence. She's got it. Remember this day, Leila Fernandez, the champion in Monterey. A first ever title on the WTA Tour for the 18-year-old Canadian. 
What a terrific performance, not just in this final, but all week she did not drop a set en route to the trophy. That is winning in style. Winning in style indeed. It was a great performance by Leila Fernandez who watched that final. That is one of the best uh, tennis uh, setups in Monterey in the hills of uh, Mexico. What a beautiful setting uh, for a tournament. We might open up that one show, your favourite tennis destination, uh, because that's got to be uh, right up there. one 736 The giant killer. How good is he going? Haslan Karatsev. Now, Jed Zetzer has written a great piece which has just gone up on our website in the last half an hour at thefirstserve.com.au talking about the great deeds of Aslan Karatsev. We'll hear from the man who's just very understated. He's just taking it all in his stride. I tell you what, sky's the limit for this man who just looks like he should have been from the start born and bred to be in the top echelon of men's tennis. Elise in Dixon's Creek is going to kick us off on the first serve tonight. Hi, Elise. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Very good. What do you got for me? Well, this is the first time I've been able to tune into the first serve because I'm on my way home after being washed out at tennis. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing uh, for us. Uh, which tennis club, Elise? Um, a tennis club in Moorabark, and it's our first ever season, and we're really enjoying it. So, yeah, it's good fun. Very good. Uh, very good. What do you want to talk about tonight? Um, well, basically, I'd love this rain to go away so I could have played some tennis. But, um, yeah, we're, we're doing all right. We're actually second on the ladder. So the washout could be, I don't know, put our finals in danger, I suppose. But hopefully not. Okay. So what level are we, uh, are we talking about? What level of tennis here, Elise? The lowest possible level. We are <laughs> total beginners. That's okay. And it's, not, it's a sport that I've always enjoyed. But, um, yep. It's one that I've decided to pick up now because it, I suppose it's going to be less injury-prone than footy and basketball for me. Uh, so that is true. A few less bumps and bruises, uh, no doubt. If I was to ask you on, on both sides, if you've got a favourite on the men's and the women's side of the game and uh, you, you go to the Australian Open, that's the match you want to go and watch. you got a couple for me? Um, well, I was always an Andy Roddick fan, but he's obviously no longer there. I suppose I'm a Nadal fan. Yep. And... In the women's, I like a soccer, and you, but you can't beat Ash Barty, can you? So. And it's good to have her back. Uh, first trip overseas in over 12 months in Miami this week. I think we saw some footage today of her in the gym over there. She's got the bye in the first round, likely to play a qualifier in the second round. So Ash defending her title from uh, two years ago, and it was Miami that really set her, her on her way to the world number one ranking and winning that uh, French Open. I'll tell you what, hang on, Elise. I'm going to put you back to Aaron because when the sun does come back out, you'll need the sun-blessed sunscreen. We'll send... Uh, that out to you, thanks to our very good friends, the First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. Great to have you uh, tuning in. Okay, let's get into uh, the winners and how they fare, but happy to take your calls right throughout the hour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Aslan Karatsev. Unbelievable. Now, even if you're a partial fan of tennis, you would have heard of this man when you were sitting by your TV set or you are lucky enough to have a ticket across the delayed Australian Open in uh, early to mid-February, this guy cut a sway through the draw, was in qualifying, had to go overseas to qualify. He was about 114, I think, got into the main draw, and his ranking absolutely plummeted, courtesy of making the semi-finals. Now, Novak Djokovic makes everyone look silly at the Australian Open, so that's where it all came to an end, but his tennis was superb. How was he going to fare after that? Was he going to be a bit of a one-hit wonder, or could he sustain it? Well, his level of tennis in the last week in Dubai, has been outstanding. 
Garasimo first round, we thought that was probably going to be a given. Uh, Dan Evans, always tricky to play with his slicing and uh, the spins that he puts on the ball. Sonego, very good young Italian. Another good young Italian in Sinner. He goes through Yannick Sinner. The red-hot Andre Rublev, much-anticipated semi-final. It gets the job done. And then Lloyd Harris, who we didn't expect at the start of the week, the South African qualifier to be in the final, knocked out the top seed Dominic team early and then was on his way. Well, he made Harris look a little silly uh, last night. Easily did it. 6-3, 6-2. He's 12-2 for the year. 27 winners, a third Russian winner this season. Rublev winning in Rotterdam, Medvedev winning in Marseille. Just to think he was 3-10 at tour level heading into 2021. He's 12-2. So fifth position in the race to Turin. I've got to get my tongue around that with the change of the ATP finals from London to Turin. If you want a more expansive look into... Aslan Karatsev and what he's been doing. Log on right now as you're listening, thefirstserve.com.au. $756,000. So they've worked out the tax, $756,235 in 2021. Let's have a listen to Aslan Karatsev. This is your first ATP Tour title. After the semi-finals at the Australian Open, how pleased are you to now win a title and to back up what you've done just a month ago? Yeah, I was super happy after Australian Open and I was trying to stay focused, to practice more, to to believe more in myself and then I play in Doha, I lost second round to Dominic team and then arriving here with a wild card again and uh, yeah, I was feeling good, tried to push every match and yeah, in the end I won the tournament. You mentioned uh, Dominic team that you have only lost two players in the world's top five so far this year. How comfortable are you that this is now where you belong? Yeah, I mean, it shows me the level that I can play with um, with everyone, that I'm not losing the people behind me in the ranking, if, uh, if you can say like that. But yeah, I feel good on court. I'm really comfortable and uh, with a lot of confidence right now. Congratulations. If you have anything else you'd like to say, please do. Otherwise, head to the stage and pick up your trophy. Uh, just thank you very much, everybody who was involved to this tournament again. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Thanks for coming, Eslan Karetsev. Uh, outstanding. 27 in the world. He's gone from 42 to 27 in the last week. And who knows where he may end up at the end of uh, 2021. But he is playing great tennis, strong as an ox. I mean, how do you bully this guy off the baseline? He is... Outstanding. It's uh, firepower. Just a couple of other things to take out of Dubai in the last week. What under Lloyd Harris? Um, we always looked at him. Who was the next player behind Kevin Anderson? Anderson was up there for so long, flying the flag for South African tennis. And then it was a guy called Lloyd Harris. He actually won a challenger in Launceston on the Australian Pro Tour, going back about three years ago. We thought, okay, we'll put a little asterisk next to Lloyd, have a look at him. And he's just been incrementally improving year upon year from Cape Town, beautiful Cape Town, where Robbie Koenig's from, best commentator in the business, up 29 spots to 52. Took out team Nishikori and Dennis Shapovalov. Defeated our very own Chris O'Connell. That was in the, what, second round uh, of the first round, it was, of uh, Dubai. And that was a tight one, too. 6 7, 6 4, 6 1 in the end. He pulled away, uh, certainly in the third. Uh, Jeremy Shardy having a good year. Quarters, 11 and 6 on the year. Martin Fucevic just keeps getting towards the, the business end of these uh, 250, 500 tournaments. He's 12 and 4 for the year. Uh, Jordan Thompson's first match back. So, Rusevori, keep an eye on this young guy from Finland. Uh, he's got a lot of potential, the uh, qualifier. So, yeah, Tomo just playing his first match. We'll get a look at him in Miami coming up. Matty Ebden, obviously, 
uh, wasn't right after Marseille and had to pull out of that match against Baltista Ragut. So he's taking the week off this week. Matty, uh, John Milman obviously just can't take a trick at the moment. He's not in the best of form, but he's he's fighting hard. He's decided to skip Miami and has gone to Alicante in Spain, the home base of Alex Demon also. He said, Demon, you're out. You go to Miami. I'll take over your place with Peter Luchak, and they're just going to hit some balls for a couple of weeks. Alexi Poprin, uh, really tight then, tight one there with Hutchinov. So that could have gone either way in that uh, third set tiebreaker. But uh, liking the signs we're seeing with Alexi, he'll be in Miami. Uh, Demon Orr, uh, yeah, look, a tough one against Shadi. I mean, Alex's matches always go three. We know that, so... He's just trying to um, just trying to get to that next level and go a little deeper at these tournaments. And, uh, yeah, Chris O'Connor will get another look at him. And we thought he was going to be Qualies Miami, but courtesy of so many withdrawals on the men's side, he steps up into the main draw. So hopefully he can put his best foot forward. Uh, 1-300-736-736 to talk the world of tennis tonight. Well done to uh, Juan Sebastian Cabal and Robert Farrar. They are the star doubles duo from Colombia. They haven't got a lot of singles players, Colombia, but have got a very good doubles pairing. Their first title in 18 months, uh, winning in Dubai. Acapulco. Talk about great destinations on the tour. This has got to be right up there. You'd be wanting to go to the seaside resort of Acapulco, where they start matches nearly at midnight. Uh, let everyone just have a good day on the beach, uh, go out and have some dinner, and then finish off the night with some exhilarating tennis. Well, Alexander Zverev, he stepped up. We know he lost the final to Kyrgios there about two or three years ago. He won the doubles with his brother Misha, but he wanted to get his hands on the singles title. He had to work overtime to defeat Tsitsipas. I mean, these two are going to play a lot, as we know in the future. But uh, Zverev getting there, 6-4, 7-6 in Acapulco, uh, which was, uh, when was that actually played? That was yesterday. Um, I've lost track of time. The west coast of Mexico and uh, certainly the uh, United States throws us out time-wise, but his net game was good. His backhand was uh, rock solid. 14th ATP title. Let's have a listen to uh, Sasha Zverev. Sasha, many congratulations. I know you love coming to this place. What is that first Acapulco title? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, two years ago, my brother in the doubles lost the top final to Kyrgios, and now I'm extremely happy to, to finally win the singles trophy, and this means a lot to me. It feels like you and Steph are going to have this sort of ongoing rivalry for, for many years. You've got a one back in that head-to-head tonight. What yeah. did you execute differently out there tonight, do you think? I feel like the, the year is different a little bit. Uh, I played, we played a lot in 2019 and uh, beginning of 2020 when I was not uh, kind of myself in a way. And, uh, you know, definitely it was, was a better quality match for me. And, uh, you know, I'm happy. I, I hope I can build from that. Didn't drop a set all uh, tournaments as well. It's a really positive bit of momentum. You're building up before Miami, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the next tournament, uh, definitely, with, with how I'm playing. <laughs> He's playing well. Uh, the crowd loved him. Great to hear just fans uh, at the tennis. Not the go for every part of the world, but in Acapulco, uh, they came out and made some noise. They're pretty raucous there, and got to get there one day. It's uh, If everything's back to normal next year, it would lead into Indian Wells. Might have to add that little week onto the trip. But uh, early break deficit in the first. He saved a set point in the second. Nice job by uh, Sasha Zverev. Let's get a, a break away. We've got plenty to cover off. Uh, Matt Ree, we're going to hear from uh, very soon. He won in Biella on the Challenger Tour. I caught up with him earlier today. Todd Lay, who was an exceptional junior. He's had a really interesting journey in tennis. And he's still only 33 years of age. And he's gone down the coaching path with uh, Thanasi Kokonakis. 
He's going to chat to us a little bit later on the program. Happy to take your calls, one 736 736 all thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It is one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues, 15 minutes from Melbourne Airport, 16 ITF-sized courts and accommodation available. It is the Mini Melbourne Park. Ideal for the travelling, coaching groups and families. Check out humetennis.com.au. First serve tennis sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips with you tonight as we cover the world of tennis uh, each week here on SEN. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au, all their socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Right throughout the week, we're covering the length and breadth of the tours from the elite all the way down to that entry phase onto uh, the ITF and the Challenger uh, circuit. Let's just cover off the two women's events on the WTA Tour before we hear from uh, Matt Reed. St. Petersburg, gee, they put on a good presentation over there. It's a, it's a good uh, a good setup uh, for the men and the women when these two tournaments are held in St. Petersburg. Daria Kasekina. I tell you, if I go back to the first time I went to Indian Wells, Naomi Osaka defeated Kasekina in the final. That was 2018. Osaka was 44 in the world. Kasekina was 19 in the world. So Dari went in as the favourite. Naomi stepped up, blew her off the court and announced herself and then went on to win the US Open later on that year. For Kasekina, from that moment, well, not quite that moment, her the rest of 218 was pretty solid, but 219, 220 were pretty tough. Injuries, lost form, uh, dipped all the way down to about 75 in the rankings. She's a far better player than that. Well, she's back to 38 in the world, former top 10 player. Expect her to come again, I reckon, Daria Kasekina, 6 one So her opponent, Gasparian, had to retire, unfortunately. But a quick word, a little bit of Russian into a little bit of uh, English for Daria Kasekina. This tournament has become so dear to me that I would love to hug everyone and thank him. And of course, the spectators, I don't even know whom to thank personally, but thank you all for being here and for cheering for us. And of course, a special thank you to my coach, Carlos, and to my brother Alexander, I don't know where I would be without them. Uh, indeed, uh, thanks all round. Daria Kesekina, more to come from her this year. And Layla Fernandez, if we talk about Canadian tennis, Bianca Andreescu, if she can just stay out on court. She's back in Miami this week. She's a star. We talk about Denis Shapovalov. We talk about Felix Auger-Aliassime, the two young Canadians on the men's side. We've been tracking this young girl for the last three years. She won the junior French this is her second final today. So she lost about 12 months ago in Acapulco to Heather Watson. She's up to 69 in the world. She was the youngest player in the draw in Monterey in the hills of Mexico this week. 18 years of age. She defeated Victoria Golibich today in straight sets. Her ball striking was exemplary. Lefty, so focused. Watch out for Layla Fernandez. Uh, she is coming, certainly in a big way. Well, earlier today, I caught up with the one Aussie who had a win on the tour in the last week. 
uh, Matt Reed, and he won in the north of Italy in Biella. He won a, a Challenger uh, doubles, his 19th uh, Challenger doubles title. He uh, teamed up with uh, Lloyd Glasspool of uh, Great Britain, who won the Marseille doubles uh, the week before. So Matt Reed, 30 years of age, he turned pro back in 09. His highest singles ranking's been 183. That's going back some time now. And then he, the last few years, has specialised in doubles, got to 60 in the world in 2017. It's made one final in Newport, 2017. But you'd probably put Matt into that journeyman sort of category. Uh, he's great mates with all the Australian players. You'll see him teaming up with Demon Orr and, and Kyrgios and, and the likes, Johnny Millman at various tournaments who uh, certainly love having Matty Reid around. He's part of sort of Leighton Hewitt's extended uh, Davis Cup uh, team, if you like, helping the Australians prepare. Matt Reid I caught up with earlier today on winning that event in Biella and just what life is like on tour at the moment. Yeah, it was great to get a win. Obviously, to start the trip off, it's always good to get a few wins under your belt and gives you a bit of confidence. So, yeah, the week before, I actually started off pretty well with Matty Ebden as well. But unfortunately, he had a little bit of a groin problem. So we played, but we probably weren't at our best. So it was good to win, uh, back it up and win the next challenger. Yeah, semi-final with Matty in Marseille. And then you team up with uh, Lloyd Glasspool, who won that Marseille tournament. Tell us how you sort of go about acquiring doubles partners because you've played with plenty over the years. Just tell us how that process sort of works from tournament to tournament. Oh, well, this year has actually been a bit of a circus, to be honest. To play with Matt, he was supposed to play with another guy, but because before the draw was made, uh, his partner pulled out. So he, he last minute could change partners. So I was actually in Italy at the time. And then when he told me, oh, we can play an ATP. I was like, yeah, sure. So I rented a car and drove to uh, Marseille and then drove back to play the Challenger. I was supposed to play with Alex Bukic, and, but he understood that, yeah, that if, if I could get into an ATP, he was fine with it. So this year in, in trying to plan post-Australia, all the Australians are in sort of different boats depending on ranking, what you can get into, what you can't, but also trying to map out a schedule, knowing that to come back to Australia at any time is a bit of a difficult process with the quarantining. And obviously, I've seen plenty on social media over the last two or three weeks say, I'm looking forward to getting back to play, but I'm going to be away for some time now. I mean, that's sort of the situation for the Australian players isn't it yeah it's actually quite depressing to be honest i know i've been in contact with a lot of the players before they left and it's tough you know like a few days before you leave you get pretty down because you do you realize that you're going over for a long time whereas usually you can just say all right if i if i have a good result here or a good few weeks i can i can make a trip home but with the two weeks quarantine i i don't know if you can unless you yeah you, you plan to come home for a, at least a month or two so yeah it's it's tough scheduling especially with the schedules only being released for maybe three weeks in advance it's not ideal and it's not fun but i guess we're all trying to do it together and which a lot of the i know the aussie guys and girls are just keeping in contact just trying to keep each other going. This week, playing in Biella, it's a beautiful part of Italy's uh, north there, and they've hosted a few uh, tournaments over the last few weeks. But to be indoors there, obviously the situation in Italy has been pretty tough over the past 12 months with the whole coronavirus. But I suppose tennis players are getting used to playing in front of no crowds at a lot of these venues. I mean, even the challenges, depending where you are around the world, that fluctuates in numbers that come along to those sort of events. But what's it like just for a, a tennis player when you go from 
some big tournaments with crowds and ambience and atmosphere to having to generate your own atmosphere, really? Yeah, well, like you said, it's playing a lot of challenges. You don't often get the biggest crowds, but it's more the the downtime, you know, like always by ourselves because everyone tries to minimise contact with other people just in case. But, you know, you're just going back and forth to the hotel. Everyone's eating in the hotel because you're actually not allowed to go watch the matches. You don't see, like, there was a guy who made the final. I didn't even know he was at the tournament and we were both in the final playing the same day so it's it's just a bit it's a bit weird and yeah it's, it's going to be tough if for people spending 10 months away to do this in my opinion well just on that you would have seen paul mcnamee's comment uh, i think you were copied in your twitter account after we talked about your victory on the first serve and he said well done guys this is the second tier of men's tennis but 1335 euros before tax won't go far for matt reed time for a rethink of men's and women's tour models globe trotting is no longer the solution i know that grothy and i talked about it on the first serve a lot last year about whether the ATP, the WTA can set up more regional tours. It is much tougher. I mean, how do you sort of react to Paul's comments there? Yeah, well, it's it's pretty well known that the yeah the Challenger Tour, there's not, not much money there, but my biggest goal is to obviously get into the slams and I've been lucky enough where I've got a few friends that have helped me out along the way to get me in, but for me as well and a lot of the guys, week to week, it's, it's not ideal, you know, like especially when plans change and you've got to, you know, change your flights for the next week and stuff renting cars to get to the next week it's not not ideal i don't know how they're going to do it but i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of tennis players stop playing due to this problem and just through the coronavirus i think pretty tough no doubt and obviously you were just saying to me before we jumped on here to have a chat you were due to head after raising the trophy in biela to france you've hit a bit of a roadblock there tell us what's unfolded yeah so we just had a good win i was pretty pumped and we got back to the hotel. I've seen my draw for the next week. And usually I'm probably not the most organized guy, but as I'm trying to do everything just so in advance, I booked a flight to Lille, which is just outside of Paris. And then I get a, as I was having dinner with my doubles partner, we were celebrating a little bit. And he's my doubles partner for next week, who I was going to play with. He's messaged me saying that he's tested positive to COVID. So we can't go. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster 24 hours. I've been, at the moment, I'm waiting in Milan Airport Hotel waiting for him to let me know if he can come if he can't and he's just told me then that you know, he's gonna have to pull out and he's gonna do 14 days quarantine so i've got to adjust and make new plans now so that means you miss out unfortunately for the tournament the draw has been set so what will you do this week what happens yeah it's, i do miss out it's unfortunate as i've actually been playing pretty good and yeah i was just pretty pretty pumped to keep momentum going but i'm lucky i've been lucky enough where alex demon he's got a place in spain and Johnny Millman's over there training and with Peter Luchak and they've just said come over and practice because my next tournament is in Spain anyway so it's worked out all right but obviously I would have loved to have played it's tough to pull out of a tournament when I'm completely healthy and ready to go and my partner's telling me he's completely healthy and ready to go he's just had one test that said he was positive and then he's had two saying that he was negative it's a tough pill to swallow but I'm yeah like I said I'm trying to look at the positive side and I'm going to head off with Johnny and try and get some good practice over there absolutely Matt you know despite some of these hurdles you've spoken about and, and the challenges of you know particularly during a pandemic of trying to plan and, and trying to sustain a, a living out on the, the tennis circuit I mean you've been doing this for a long time singles and doubles and now you know certainly down the doubles track for a a few years you're 30 but it's almost like 30 now is 25 in tennis so many guys are playing much deeper into their 30s some into their early 40s I mean have you still got the passion the drive to keep being a a professional tennis player I I was actually having a uh, I've had a few chats while I was home before I came because leaving for this long trip 
was really, really tough. I, I was considering probably stopping before it just because I didn't know if I had it in me to go away for that long. And the bubble's the tough part. I know that sounds great and stuff, but at the tour events, it's good. You know, you're in nice hotels, but with the challenges, I can tell you right now, the, the rooms aren't, aren't that impressive, especially last week. Uh, mine actually looked like a jail cell. But to answer your question, I, honestly, yeah, it, I'm taking it week by week, month by month, and I'll see how I go. But yeah, I haven't made any plans past probably Wimbledon and yeah I don't know I'm just going to see how I go and just try and if I can keep the drive and it's more enjoying being around the boys and stuff I really enjoy the social aspect of it yeah the, the traveling is doing my head in with all these tests and then you have to fill out all these different forms for each country and it's just it's getting pretty tough at the moment pretty draining I can imagine uh, I mean a lot of players have spoken about that you know often we talk about an elite sport you know it's the physical <laughs> uh, stress on the body particularly a sport like tennis but it seems like it's become more the mental battle of just here yeah, being in these bubbles which which uh, is not all that rosy. Just a last one for you, just just on the Aussie connection. I mean, the Aussies on the road, a lot of times you can be together, then you can be spread and you, you'll have pockets of the year where you spend a, a fair bit of time together. But there is a, a pretty tight bond, isn't it? Because this is a tough sport where just about every country is playing there. They've got a representative. And you know, we often talk about how do you measure success and Everyone has a different opinion on that. But just tell us about the bond between the Aussie guys, you know, trying to get each other up every every week. One thing I've really noticed longer I've played is the stronger the the bond between the the, uh, the males and even the females. Like we all get along really well, like constantly FaceTime each other, group chat, just like trying to, you know, trying to motivate, but also just keeping sane. Like we all play AFL super coach, fantasy NFL and you know, there's a lot of competitiveness, but it's also, it's just to keep us close because like you said, the half us now, it's tough to bring even coaches along and even just whoever you want to bring along. It's tough. So we're almost like a little, like, I don't know, like a little team together, even though you got to play each other every now and then. I feel like with uh, everyone's trying to help each other out and it, it's actually probably the strongest I, I've been a part of anyway. Brilliant stuff. Hey, who do you follow in the footy? Oh, I'm, I'm mix and match. I, I, I like um, the Sydney Swans because I'm from Sydney, but I do have a, I'm a big fan of Dustin Martin, so I watch the, the Tigers every now and then. Well, I'll tell you what, Dustin Martin, a star in round one in Sydney, they might be the surprise packet to jump back up pretty quickly. They've got some great young kids who were terrific in beating Brisbane over the weekend, so I'm sure you're keeping a close eye on the footy. Hey, great to chat to you, and we'll follow the year, and yeah, as you said, week by week at the moment. Uh, but, but good luck. Hopefully some more success for you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. There he is, Matt Reed. Uh, he's an interesting story. Probably could have chatted for an hour, to be honest. And he um, it's not all rosy at the level that Matt Reed is playing at. But he is from a country that has a rich tennis history, and uh, Matt has been you know really well supported too by a lot of guys who just love having him Matt on tour. He's a, he's a very talented player, Matt Reed. You don't get to the level you have if you haven't got a bit of talent. Uh, but not everyone can get to that absolute uh, top of the sport. Uh, let's uh, take a break. Todd Lay, our special guest, uh, coming up after the break. All thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices. Uh, go to their website now, tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. You'll get 10% off if you order over $150. They'll be delivering it right to your front door. You're listening to The First Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
Welcome back to the first serve. Brett Phillips with you for uh, another week. We'll get to your texts in just a moment. Got a few other little news bits. Uh, the Boris Becker file to round out uh, the show. Boris back in the news uh, this week. But my next guest was the youngest ever athlete signed by sports management giant uh, IMG. Uh, was based at the uh, famed uh, Nick Bolateri Academy over in uh, Florida. He's now the co-coach of uh, Thanasi Kokonakis. He's been on an incredible uh, journey in tennis. Uh, Todd Lay, it's great to have you on the first serve. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Mate, I feel like we need about an hour because we had a good chat off air uh, today. But in the next sort of uh, eight to ten minutes, we're going to try and tell a little bit about what you're up to at the moment and where your passion is. And I think we need to probably do a, a part B. But as, as I just said in the introduction, I mean, you've been in tennis, Todd, from at a very young age, obviously a, a terrific junior background. You were recognised at such a, a young age. But tennis did spit you out fairly early as a player, didn't it? And I, I just want you to maybe take us a little bit inside your journey that's led to where you are today. Yeah, well, I guess... Um Pretty well as soon as the words came out of my mouth that I wanted to be a professional tennis player, um, things just got turned upside down. And, um, yeah, I um, to put it into sort of like, I was pretty well like a sort of childhood actor who had great sort of success when I was younger and then sort of by about 16, 17, 18, um, I was just really sort of internally struggling with um, sort of life, the, the lifestyle and the demands of, of playing and um yeah just this extreme kind of um environment that i'd sort of been exposed to very early on and yeah i guess really i didn't really know where the cliff was and then all of a sudden it was just it was just over um and i had to kind of find my way about how to deal with life in the real world which was sort of more painful to tell you the truth than actually the the tennis itself so yep. I've, I've kind of been on a bit of a uh, sort of a roundabout, I guess you'd say, for a long period of time and still trying to navigate my way off there. Um, yeah. Todd, you, you reached out in, in the last week and you've been working on the idea of tennis parent. Tell us yeah. a bit about that because you've had your own personal experience with this and you know, certainly from time to time and, gee, the, the decade that we've been doing this show, we've certainly talked about you know the parents in tennis and that, that's, that's parents in in, in junior sport, uh, full stop. It's always uh, a contentious talking point. But tell us a bit about the concept of tennis parent. Well, it's from my own experience with my old man who was a self-proclaimed serve doctor himself um, who couldn't serve. Um, he, uh, yeah, just very quickly, he kind of um, all of a sudden took things over pretty quickly and um, was my coach. And, yeah, I, I guess what it's trying to do is highlight um, some of the ridiculousness and um, and dangerousness of of uh, the sort of player slash parent slash coach relationships and just some of the damage that can be done via um, that kind of relationship that tennis has seen for decades really, um, but never really kind of highlighted as much as I would like. Just because it's a it's a running theme that's been going on now for a long period of time, which I'm now witnessing on the other end as a coach. Um, and yeah, I, I just think really like it needs to be highlighted because it's quite sort of dangerous. And, and in a way it, it's quite comical when you look at it from a different angle. Um, so I'm just trying to somewhat let it be known and, and put it out there. Um, yeah. Just, just about the seriousness of it. 
So you were telling me today you've been trying to sort of pitch a uh, a bit of a, a TV show and also you're looking to write a book as well, which you can tell us about. Just t- take us through yeah. some of the plans that you've got or certainly that you would like to explore further. Well, the book at the moment that I'm writing is because I've kind of, I've been pitching this show for a while to production companies and networks and everyone's been really keen on it because of the, I guess the media and the everyone's opinion on these, you know, so-called tennis brats that everyone sees in the news, but I feel like tennis is really sort of misrepresented in the media and the public. You know, they think it's this kind of uh, strawberries and ice cream kind of uh, environment that really it's very far from. And I'm just sort of trying to give people a little bit more of an image of what actually goes on and what it's like for these people that end up sort of making it, which it's, 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 I mean, if people really knew the amount of people that make it, it's just, it's very rare. So the book is, it's called, um, well, it's, it's, it's sort of untitled at the moment, but I've got a fair idea. But it's, I, I would state an argument that uh, coaches really, I, th- I think that they don't really know how to make a player just because it's so individual and unique. Mm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are going around to- telling you about how to do it. This book is about 100% how to not do it. Um, it's not a self-help book. It's a self-destruct book. So that means if you follow these guidelines very specifically... Uh, you'll be very sure to ruin your kid's career. And possibly that it, what it does is also, from my own experience, I kind of use myself as a lab rat. Um, I, I kind of dive into what, how I found it difficult to re-enter society and, um, yeah, just the damages that come from uh, the environment because it's an extreme environment. And then if you mix that uh, with, a, with a parent who's kind of living vicariously through their kid, it's a pretty dangerous cocktail to have. So can you give us maybe a, a little bit of an example of, of what you're seeing today? I mean, we, we've got all our Australians who are here for a, a small pocket of the year. They're travelling all around the globe. You're obviously closely entrenched there with Thanasi, with Todd, and in that co-coach sort of uh, setup. I mean, yeah. how are you observing the landscape today compared to when you were a young uh, prospective junior trying to trying to step up and have a go at the pros? Well, I guess that really what it comes down to is that I think a lot of parents, once they're forking over a lot of money, they're looking at this as an investment. Um, And eventually they want to return on that investment. um, And the kid becomes somewhat of a commodity instead of a human being. Now, once that happens, it's pretty dangerous and the kid may not be clued onto that. But once they get to around 15, 16, 17, and they start to become aware of it, um, you know, that puts them in a pretty tough spot where they want to sort of kick back and start rebelling against the the circumstances that they've been put in. So it's really, it's not, there's not enough separation, really. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's a dual co kind of uh, partnership. So I think for me, like, I'll give you an example. It's like the, how do I say this? The, um, the coach wants, well, the parent wants to be involved in the coaching, but the coaching, but the coach can't be involved in the parenting. Mm. So it's like, you know, I think the parent plays a very pivotal role in trying to somewhat get the kid there, um, and their role is is to really unconditional love. Yep. And um, it's also to let the coach do the coaching, but if one of these kind of rules is kind of infringed upon, you can almost see a lot of relationships in tennis where the coach is actually doing the parenting and the parenting's doing the coaching. So everything's really back to front. And um, 
yeah, I mean, just roles and boundaries are very unclear. And uh, yeah, I mean, the thing's shambles, really. Just, just a final one, and we'll certainly follow this up. I promise. Yeah. Tell us about Athletes Association. You're in the early initial stages of developing that? Yeah, well, Athletes Association is a is sort of a thing that I've been sort of passionately working on for a little bit. I've been sort of spitballing a few ideas with a few people locally around sort of Adelaide. And for me, just what I've noticed with my own experience and seeing other players kind of being a, a fly on the wall is that you know, just how dangerous the sport is and how dangerously unsupported tennis players are. Um, after they play, you know, after they finish their careers, sometimes a lot of players have good careers and still really struggle afterwards. So it's kind of like a safety net um, for players, by players of, of any sort of sport that runs underneath uh, sporting bodies and codes. So no one really has an agenda um, to be able to manipulate what, you know, what can be said and what can be done. And um, yeah, it's just something that I believe should be there. It's you know, it's 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 really necessary because I believe that you know, a lot of tennis players know how to be strong, but they don't really know yeah. how to be vulnerable and who to be vulnerable to. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there just needs to be something there because these players, you know, they need help finding help. And if this thing was up and running, um, it's just something that would be available to players and, and people who have been in sort of my position because there's plenty of them out there. No doubt. Todd, I just wanted to sort of uh, touch the surface, if you like, of uh, some areas that you're very passionate about, your own journey. I, I think certainly we, we may do a separate little uh, podcast for our first serve listeners where we're going to have an expanded chat as well. But thanks for just setting the scene of uh, a little bit of your own journey and just some of the things that are going on around the periphery and and, and the coalface of tennis. And, and let's uh, let's take this up again at some point this year. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Cheers for having me on. Todd Lay, co-coach of Thanasi Kokonakis, and, uh, well, he was an absolute gun as a junior. We need a break. We'll come back. A few things to uh, tidy up, all thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching. In Melbourne's uh, east, of course, out there at Eaglemont Tennis Club, run by the magnificent Shane Scrutton. Uh, every age standard, contact Shane, 0414-373-586, or check out yarratennis.com.au. First serve tennis sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. We've got a couple of minutes to wrap up. Miami's the big tournament. Uh, it wasn't held last year. Second year it'll be held at the Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Dolphins. So we know Arena, Rodionova and Astra Sharma will be in the women's qualifying. Ash Barty, of course, uh, back travelling overseas. She's got the bye in the first round. No Serena Williams, of course, uh, pulling out in the last 48 hours. Storm Sanders with the wild card in. And Isla Tomlanovic are also in the draw. So Tomlanovic to play Potopova, the Russian, and Storm Sanders will play a qualifier in... No, in fact, she'll play, yes, a qualifier in the first round. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. Thanasi Kokonakis will play Federico Ferreira Silva, uh, the lefty who uh, Kyrgios beat in the first round of the Australian Open. Boris Becker, ladies and gentlemen. He hid money from the $5.4 million sale of a car dealership by transferring cash to his former wives after he was made bankrupt, the court has been told. The former Wimbledon champion is accused of concealing assets, including his Wimbledon trophies, a flat in Chelsea, two German properties and approximately $3.2 million when he filed for bankruptcy. The 52-year-old is said to have removed profits from the sale of a car dealership in Germany through a business account. 
before and after his bankruptcy order in 2017. Money was allegedly transferred to uh, recipients, including Lily Becker, one of his former wives, 44, and Barbara Becker, who's 10 years her senior. Uh, London Southwark Crown Court was told Barbara received £33,000, while Lily... Well, she got a lot more, £105,000. 17, of course, he became the youngest Wimbledon champion back in 1985. He didn't appear in court for the remote hearing. He's on conditional bail, requiring him to live at his penthouse apartment in London and to notify the insolvency service before travelling aboard. It's going beautifully for Boom Boom Becker. It's been far from dull, on the court and off the court. We'll see him bob up somewhere. Maybe not back as a coach. Not sure if he's still heading up German tennis. He's got a lot going on, Boris uh, Becker. Uh, that is it for us. If you've missed the show, check out the podcast. It'll be going up shortly at thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us all week. Miami's starting. It's a huge tournament. And also follow us on our socials. Have a great week, everyone. We'll do it again next Monday night. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.